I don't know. Does no, I, I agree. Yes, I love that like dark cloud uh, image. Like that really, I don't know, that really like touched something in me emotionally. But like, um, <laughs> are you crying? I, I, I got a little choked up. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, welcome back to another episode of Hello and Goodbye. You have Leanna and Jared. Hello, Jared hello. is back. I know. I'm excited. I'm happy to be back. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. We are still doing the remote recording during this, what, week four or five of quarantine? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been a long journey, and I think we have some more to go. Self ISO life, you know. I mean, I, I think um, self ISO life. It's true. <laughs> um, Did you just make that up? I don't know. I think I texted somebody. I'm like, oh, how are you doing in self ISO? I've been I've been using self ISO <laughs> as like the shorthand. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe that'll catch on. Um, <laughs> can I tell you what I've been feeling lately? Yes, Jared. What have you been feeling lately? <laughs> um, just about this whole thing, right? I've been, I don't know, just because of all the news I'm reading and things like that, I have been feeling a lot of gratitude that I have a job where I am currently working from home and I have a place to live where I have access to internet and things, you know, and a computer and things that make it possible for me to work from home. And that puts me in like a very privileged place. I think, you know, there's so many people who don't have that. Um mm-hmm. May, I think it's fairly likely that I will be, it's very possible that I will be furloughed at some point over the summer, but it's also like I have vacation time and things like that. So I'm, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm okay financially. Um, I am a little scared about what happens if colleges decide not to bring students back to actual campuses in August, September. Mm -hmm. And if that happens, I would be surprised if I remained employed full time. Uh, Mm. And a lot of people in my field, you know, the field of student affairs, I mean, if there's no actual students and so much of it is the sort of outside the classroom stuff that student affairs does. And so if, if colleges move to all online, you know, some of that can be packaged and delivered um, from a distance, but a lot of that I think would go away. And so there'd Mm -hmm. be a lot of, friends and colleagues in my field who we'd all be kind of out of work. Um, yeah. Which is really interesting. And so I'm like trying not to think that far ahead. Yes. You know, just yeah. one day at a time and just be grateful that I'm working and I'm okay. And all those that I love and care about are staying safe for the most part and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And you have an opportunity probably to save some more money right now to prepare for that time. Right. Yeah. You would hope so. If I could stop <laughs> online shopping. <laughs> Stop online shopping. Yeah. Are you getting like the, are you getting like all these like sales emails all the time? Like I, so I, I subscribe to this subreddit called frugal men's fashion. If you subscribe to the, wait, listen, don't roll your eyes with me. If you subscribe <laughs> to the men's fashion Reddit, it's like $500 pairs of shoes and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm never going to get that stuff. So then there's this other one that's like, look, if you like to dress well, and don't have bajillions of dollars or whatever. But every morning, practically, I'm like screwing around on my phone because I don't want to get out of bed. And then I'm like 70% off. And I like, oh my gosh, you know, 
So I can't believe why am I talking about this? <laughs> I think I think the listeners will be excited to hear about your online purchases. <laughs> um yeah, I second that in terms of gratitude. I spent all day yesterday moving into my parents, so I'm officially at my parents' house. I'm pretty exhausted today. I didn't want my parents to help me at all because I this is like this is the third time I've moved in less than a year. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. So yeah, so I will then be moving again, probably in August or September. Wow. Hopefully for the last time in a long time. I mean, but look at how I bet you've gotten like really agile and like not weighed down by a bunch of crap. Yeah, I'm really good at moving, like really good at <laughs> moving, at getting rid of stuff. I every yeah. time I move, I do like a super clean and I just I try and make my space as like welcoming as possible, even in the short amount of time that I'm somewhere. Like I want it to have like the Leanna staple on it. Yeah, that's important to like be comfortable mm-hmm. and and set the like energy kind of of the space. Yeah. I yeah. Think that. Yeah. So I think the only thing I'm gonna look for like a cute little um you guys probably don't care about this at all, but <laughs> I'm gonna look for like a cute little desk to put inside my room so I can record out of my room because right now I don't have the space where I can set my laptop and the mic and all the recording stuff. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's hear something thing. weird about me and, and nesting in my spaces. Uh, yes. I'm weirdly obsessed with like the temperature of lighting. Do you know what, what that is? No. So like when you, so like the like LED bulbs and fluorescent bulbs that are that really like bluish white light. Yeah, I don't like that. Right. Yeah. And then the incan- old incandescent bulbs has more of that like yellow light. So there's a word for that and it's like temperature, right? Like and when you look okay. at light bulbs and stuff, they'll tell you. Um, and it started, I had this apartment one time connected to the job I was on a campus I was working and it was like in this like hundred year old house. And part of the apartment was like, what was an old porch that was then like finished in. So it had windows all around. It had this beautiful mosaic tile floor and the old stone outer wall of the house was like one of the walls and it had fluorescent lighting and it was like so ugly and abrasive. (laughs) And so I like installed my own track lighting and had to go through all this like rigmarole to like wire it and whatever. Um, and since then, I'm, like, obsessed in all my spaces with, like, getting the right lighting. So, in my house, I bought one of those, uh, two of those, like, LED, like, smart bulbs or whatever. And then I have an app. So, like, whenever I turn it on, it's, like, set to the more of that warmer kind of temperature light. Because I get really <laughs> crazy about it. I get really crazy about it. It makes such a big difference. <laughs> you can't... <sighs> Like it's impossible. So I feel you like it's impossible. Are spending all your money on changing the lighting at Nicole's house? Well, it's funny because in the place where I'm sitting to do this recording now, which is my little like home office corner in the house, there's this light that has like one light that faces up and then another like little directional light hanging off of it. And the light that faces up has like, so Nicole turns that on when I first get here. And I'm like, oh, good. And then she turns on the other like bulb that's facing down on this lamp. And I was like, Oh God, turn it off. It was like, I was like immediately. <laughs> so I was, I was like, never turn that light on again. <laughs> Cause it was like so white and blue and cold. Yeah. yeah I, I like agree. It. I don't, I don't like white and blue lighting. Either. 
I like blue balls, but I don't like blue lighting. <laughs> Warm lights, people. That is my that's my tip for yeah. nesting and comfort and and relaxing in your space. Yeah, I I wanted to tell you guys this in the beginning, but I didn't want to give away that our episode was about lighting tips. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. I was like looking at you like, oh yeah, that's a great tie-in to the actual <laughs> what we're talking about. No, so we are we are gonna be talking about vulnerability today. But before we go into that, I wanted to address a couple things. So both of these are rants. So I apologize. If you don't want to hear me rant, then just skip to the next part. I say let's go. Okay. Let it fly. The first one is there are people around the country specifically in in Southern California, there are people in Huntington Beach that are protesting the quarantine or self-isolation or whatever you want to call it because they're tired of being in their homes and they want to go back to work. And honestly, like I hope none of my listeners are a part of that or agree with that because to be honest, like that is like people who are involved in that are shit humans. Like, not only are they selfish and, like, ignorant, but they're putting other people at harm. They're going to come away from those rallies either with the coronavirus or giving the coronavirus off to other people. Yeah. And it's just, it's sickening. It's sad. I don't, I mean, if you know of any other countries that are protesting, like the U.S. is, like, let me know. But... I'm not hearing about any, you know, and it's like, this is like, this is not, or this isn't like the government against us thing. This is like a virus is very real and in the United States, in the world. And like, we're trying to save lives and people that say that the flu kills thousands of people a year. Like, well, we've now lost 40,000 people in a span of a month. Yeah. You know, because it's really only been in the U S for maybe six weeks. Even if you don't think it's that big of a deal, like do what you're told. You're being asked to sit on your couch. You're being asked to stay home. And I don't want to discredit what people are feeling that are losing their jobs, possibly losing their businesses. Like that's a huge deal. And, you know, like Jared said, I'm also very grateful. I'm able to teach piano virtually from home and live with my parents and not everybody's that lucky. And this is going to be a huge crisis that we're going to be facing in terms of an economic downturn. Um, And, you know, hopefully the government can provide another stimulus package Mm -hmm. and maybe it could be done a little bit better. You know, I mean, there are million dollar companies that receive $10 million bailouts. Yep. And one of those companies just uh, hired a new executive with a hundred thousand dollar signing bonus. Yep. I think big picture, like stay at home. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting. I mean, the, uh, I totally agree with you. And you know, what's funny is we have to, we have to consider not ourselves in our actions, but also like those who are more vulnerable than us. Right. Absolutely. And and then, you know, like, cause we're talking about vulnerability today, but really like vulnerable to this virus. If you're elderly, if you have an immune Mm -hmm. condition or whatever. And I think, God, it it makes me a little crazy too. And the thing that makes me most crazy is there are people for whom this self-isolation is an extreme hardship. Um, You know, I saw saw footage of some of the lines 
that they had set up like food bank drop off points in places in LA. And, you know, there was cars waiting for like a mile down the road Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And so, but then you have these people protesting, which a, there's some evidence that that is actually, um, there's corporations sort of behind, you know, there's a, a term called astroturfing, which is you can make a fake grassroots movement. That's where AstroTurf comes from, like fake grass, mm. right? So it looks mm-hmm. like these people are getting together and doing this of their own accord, but it's all these domains that are, you know, paid for and websites set up by like corporations or political, mm. like big money political groups that are behind these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's some speculation that this is a big AstroTurfing effort, which is infuriating in its own way. And, and, you know, and it's, there's something you, you hit on it about like, I like no other countries are doing this because there's something uniquely American about, I think there is kind of this anti-science, anti-intellectualism built into American culture. And it's like, for fuck's sake, like, this is the time to like, don't listen to like the talk show host that you like, or, or even like politicians, like if politicians are telling you something other than we need to listen to the doctors and the scientists. Yes, then I agree. Don't fucking listen to them, right? Like, let's listen to the doctors and the scientists because mm-hmm. it's. I, I don't know if this is true. Someone just said to me that um, they're going to try like sort of reopening in Texas, and I think that's going to cost lives. And that, and I, I feel like that's terrible. Mm-hmm. I hope though, if this happens, like that other states and other people who are doing these things, like going to these protests, like, like I'm going to the beach. I don't care. Like we'll learn from that and like, see that. I mean, I I just would urge anyone who's feeling like that, like go read stories and look at like the photos and videos of what it looked like in Italy, like three weeks ago. Yeah. And because it's horrifying. It really is. It is. And, and I will say this too, like there are some quote unquote, Christian evangelical pastors that are saying God will protect them from the virus and that their members Mm -hmm. still need to go to church and that they need to give all of their stimulus check to the church because they're not tithing right now because they're not like that is bullshit. That is not a representation of Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's a horrible representation of Christians. And, you know, it's just, it is just really sad that there are people that are still like fighting this and going against authority. It's not, this isn't like our governor's authority. This is like the world. This is the world. This is a world thing. And it fucking drives me nuts that U S citizens just don't like being told what to do. Mm-hmm. And it, they take it as like their freedom is being taken away from them. Well, guess what? You're going to take someone else's freedom when you kill them because you yeah. didn't stay at home. Yeah. So <sighs> that was rant number one. <laughs> I know. Well, and so I I don't know. I mean, the wish, you know, it's interesting because I was in college when 9-11 happened. And this is how old I am. <laughs> What was amazing is after that, especially like growing up, you know, two hours from New York City and having a lot of like friends like in the city and around the city at that time. And now after that happened, like everyone in the country and even the world, everybody like came together and it sort of like brought out the best in people. Mm -hmm. And that is happening with this too. But you have to like look for it more, yes, you know, and I like, agree. but there's so many, like even just the panic buying and the hoarding and like that stuff is I'm like, 
come on, people. Like, what? Like, let's let's look out for each other and take care of each other here. Like, yeah. and, and I think a lot of people are doing that, even small ways, even even social media, even, you know, just taking care of yourself, like putting hope and good positive stuff out into the world right now is is a good yeah. thing, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. There's there's definitely with all this shitty stuff, there's so many positive things that are happening as well. And, you know, hopefully like you are still supporting small businesses in ways you can ordering takeout or mm-hmm. uh, delivery or, um, you know, purchasing online from small businesses that have created online stores. So, you know, like we need to keep supporting each other in ways that we can. Um, and hopefully, you know, there will be another stimulus uh, bill that comes out and hopefully businesses won't be closing down. It's it's scary. It is scary what yep. will happen when all this ends, but we need to right now we need to be focusing on saving people's lives. So Yeah. I mean and it's so interesting. I'm gonna get really esoteric here, but like like there's no there's no shortage of food. There's no shortage of toilet nope. paper. Like nope. there is you know, this is such an amazing time for like there's people who call capitalism like it's the most dominant, like powerful narrative in all of our lives. Like we can't even conceive of something outside of capitalism. Like it's, you know, like religion, you're like, well, that's just what you believe, blah, blah, blah. Like, and you, you have to recognize a belief system before you can like, like look at it critically. Mm -hmm. And none of us can do that with capitalism because it's so big. So like the fact that people are saying, well, let's let human beings die for the sake of the quote economy Yes. And you're like, well, well, what, what, wait a minute. Like what? There's more than enough. There's enough food. There's enough, you know, like there's, there's enough roofs for people's heads. Let's, let's do that. Mm-hmm. Let's not sacrifice people's loved ones and family members so that like stock prices can go back up. I it's agree. like, what are you talking I know. about? I know. It's so crazy. I think you're right. I think we do have enough resources. I just don't think it's allocated as well as it could be. And, you know, anyway, I. Yes. Stay home, shitbags. Stay- <laughs> yes, that's the title of that rant. Stay home, shitbag. Okay, so second rant. So I went back and forth of whether or not to say this, but I I knew doing this podcast as it will continue to grow that I would receive some criticism and I'm open to that. If you guys have anything that you think we should work on, like, let me know in a kind way. I also prefer criticism from people I know or people who have listened to every episode, you know? So Mm -hmm. there needs to be like some substantial background to it. I've received a couple remarks, which is interesting because they're all from men. Of course. And I'm not going to say it specifically, but basically it's the hashtag not all men. Mm. And so something that I said or a, a joke that I made or whatever, and it's like, well, why would you say this? Um, not all men are like this and blah, 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 blah. Okay. So let me just, I'm going to just break this down for you. Please. Okay. So first of all, <laughs> Hashtag not all men is obvious. It is obvious. Obviously, (laughs) I have men in my life that I love, that I respect. Obviously, I know there are good men out there. Like, fucking duh. 
Like yeah. that is obvious. Okay. So if I make a blanket statement, it's hashtag not all men, but I'm not going to say that because I don't think we should have to say that because women have been oppressed for so many years that you guys need to get over it. Mm -hmm. Like what a woman goes through compared to a man, especially a white man in this world or in I'll start with our country is, um, is ridiculous. And so this is my podcast this is a female empowerment podcast. And while Jared is my lovely male sidekick slash co-host, um, no, I'm not going to be praising men male behavior on this. It's not, it's not going to be like, woohoo, yay, you did a good job of texting me back. Yeah. I'm going to be talking about my experiences, which to be honest, have been more shitty than they have been good. And mm -hmm. that's because that is the tendency of male behavior. It's shitty. Does that mean women aren't shitty? No. Duh. But I am a female <laughs> speaking <laughs> on a female's behalf towards the experiences I've had from men. And I just, I don't want to, I'm not going to address this again. So mm -hmm. if you're a male listener and something I say offends you, like I want you to think about why it offends you and then think about all of the things that have happened to all of the women in your life that have offended them, that they did not say a thing because so many times our voices are not heard. Well, it's so interesting. I think like as a man who participates in this podcast, right? I think there's a difference between someone talking about their experience and or sharing their real feelings of, of hurt and frustration and things like that. That is very different from like, quote unquote, bashing men or bashing any kind, mm -hmm. right? Or being like hateful or, or whatever, right? Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Let me just say one thing. Well, and even the, the comedic side of it, right? Comedy is supposed to be a little dramatic. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's exaggerated. So yeah. if I say something like, um, oh yeah, men are assholes. Like obviously not all men are assholes, but it was like, that was the comedic line of what I was talking about. So, you know, comedy is going to be partly things that you might take offense to. So sorry, go ahead. No, totally. No, I agree. And it's so interesting to me, the, um, choice you have when you hear so like so i'm thinking about as a man at home say or in the car or something listening to this podcast and hearing you say something about some experience you had that was shitty and your response to it and how it made you feel and all that stuff and so like the first thing that happens is the guy in his mind hears this and knows it's something that he doesn't do and at that point, you have a choice, right? <laughs> you can be like, hey, I don't do that, right? Or you can be like, holy shit, who is out there doing that? Exactly. Right? Like, why aren't you doing that second one? And again, this is Dan Savage says this all the time. It's like a, hey, we're, he calls it a NALT problem, N-A-L-T, which stands mm -hmm. for not all like that. Like, hey, mm -hmm. we're not all like that. It's like, yeah, so go tell the people who are doing the shitty stuff that you're not all like that. Like, right. go tell them, like, hey, stop that. Like, we don't, right. you shouldn't exactly. be doing this. 
don't tell the other people, well, okay, so some of them are bad, but not all of us, right? It's like, no, why don't you go go be involved in fixing it, yeah. if, it if it bothers you? Exactly. Yeah. I feel like there was something else I was going to say. Oh, I was going to say, um, like, and, and just an example on my on my end, like how many dumb blonde jokes are made on the daily mm. and how many dumb blonde jokes have been made to me about me. And do I like it? No. Do I think that I'm a dumb blonde? No. Am I sometimes ditzy? Sure. <laughs> Am I a blonde? <laughs> yes. Okay. But I'm not going to, every person that says a dumb blonde joke, I'm not going to be like, not all blondes are like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not, yeah. it's just not worth it. And it doesn't do well for you. Well, I think as we're going to talk about on our topic today, I think that is a response to someone's feelings being hurt, someone feeling insecure because they hear yeah. people talking about men in that way. Right. You know, and, and when you act out of that place, like it's not a great place to to communicate from if you're looking for actual like connection and understanding and to make things better and whatever. Right. So what ends up coming out is this sort of like trolley kind of like, Hey, like, you know, um, (laughs) wait, was that like trolley as in like internet trolling or like a troll? Oh, like internet trolling. No, no, no. I know. But your voice was like troll. Like Uh, I was doing like a, like a kind of like a, like a troll under a bridge troll. (laughs) What are you? Hey, what are you doing? Uh, uh, I don't like what you said about men. <laughs> anyway, yeah. that was that was my rant. Do you have any? Can I, I ask a question? No. Did any of these angry male listeners say anything about me? No. I just, I just, I want some attention. Come on. Okay, you guys. Jared wants some criticism. So no, please no. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that interesting though? That well. I mean, it could have been about an episode that you weren't in. Mm. And I am very opinionated and you're a little bit more like you even me out a little bit. Like, I'm always like, I can't believe this. And this person is that way. And you're like, well, I could see it. (laughs) I know. Actually, you know what? Can I be honest? I'm self-conscious about that. Like, I feel like. Sometimes I just want you to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. And you're just like, hmm. Mm, yes. Okay. <laughs> Wait. I mean, not I, okay. in that female voice. Can I tell you a dating story about this? So I connected with someone on an app. This was like maybe four years ago or something like that. We've been talking. I think we had planned to meet up. We didn't. Then we decided to like chat on the phone and she was, I think just getting off work. And I was like, just super like relaxed. I had been like reading and like i don't know like I'm sure, i think i had like had lit a candle in my home you know it was like that kind of <laughs> evening i was okay. getting real cozy and chill and she calls me and was like all fired off about all these things and like i'm mad about that like blah blah, blah. and i like couldn't get the energy to like get mad with her you know <laughs> and then she like turned on me <laughs> she, she like got really mad at me she was like, well, I'm going to go because you're annoying me. And at, like at this point, like it was clear that we were on two different pages. And she was like, she was kind of being obnoxious for a lot of this conversation. I was like, I think that's a good idea because you're annoying me. <laughs> and then she like hung up the phone. Was that it? And obviously we never talked again. Yeah. But I think that's a little different when you're not like in a relationship with someone. Yeah. But it's also like. I don't know. I, I have this thing where I look at everything from like 20 different angles. You do. 
like without even realizing it, like I'm like kind of running that through my system. And in a lot of ways that's helpful, but in a lot of ways, like that's annoying when I should just be like, (laughs) what the fuck? That's bullshit. Like, you know, and like get fired up too, but I'm like, you just got to learn to read the room a little bit better. (laughs) Okay. I will uh, work on that. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm glad I could help. (laughs) So anyway, those are my rants. I hope, you know, they weren't too ranty. Both very worthwhile, I hope. And and I know this is true, that there's much more positive feedback for you specifically yes, than a couple absolutely. of Absolutely. That's a great, yes. Thank you for bringing that up. I am constantly receiving messages of support and how you guys are enjoying the podcast and how it's really helping you through things in your life. And so um, that is far outweighs any negative feedback. So thank you guys for that. Please keep sending those messages. I really, really appreciate them. Yeah. And it's so exciting. Uh, You know, you and I had that conversation like earlier this week about the podcast and how like people are listening from all these different places in the world. And Mm -hmm. like, that's so cool and exciting. Yeah. Shout out to like our Switzerland fans. Yeah. Shout out Switzerland. (laughs) You guys are coming in hot. Holding it down for hello goodbye. (laughs) So excited. Maybe if we end up going on a tour, we'll go to Switzerland. That would be amazing. Yeah, I know. Let's do it. All right. So we're, let's go ahead and jump in. So we wanted to touch on, on vulnerability. And the reason I thought of doing this subject is, you know, I'm not really, I'm not dating right now. I'm not talking with anyone. We're kind of, we're all in our separate spaces, whether you're quarantining with a partner or your family or you're quarantining by yourself. And there are, I think, aspects of vulnerability that we can always work on within ourselves. But I think right now is a really great time to work on that because it's like we're extra focused. We're at home all the time. We maybe have more time. We're maybe being more annoyed by people. We're all like, I think there's anxiety. There's probably a lot of depression maybe that people Mm -hmm. haven't experienced. Um, And we are going to do a mental health episode soon. So make sure to follow us to see when we post that, um, which I'm really excited about doing that. Yeah. So Jared, I'm going to give it over to you because you kind of have a more clinical approach of like defining vulnerability and I, I don't know how clinical this is. Um, well, first, but... Hold on. Let me say first, we are not vulnerability experts. Yes. We are not Brene Brown. Brene Brown is the expert on vulnerability. So if you don't have any of her books or haven't seen her Netflix special, go watch it. You have the time right now. Go do that. Anyway, back yes. to Jared. I would say start with her TED Talk, The Power of Vulnerability, I think mm. is what it's called. That's like what really put her on the map. And then um, I've not watched the Netflix special yet, but I It's I good. To. I, I think I liked her TED Talk, talk better. Mm-hmm. I think the I liked TED Talk is like everything important in like 20 it's, minutes. It's so great. powerful. Yeah. yeah. But her Netflix special um, was also amazing. Yeah. So, okay. So vulnerability, right? So if you look at the actual definition that I pulled up on Google, uh, you know, it's really, <laughs> thorough, it's really thorough research here. Yeah. Right. It's being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed. Hmm. Right. And I, and I think of, I like to think of vulnerability in physical metaphors a lot. So even when I talk with my partner, Nicole, about, are like emotional vulnerability with each other, I will often use really physical, tangible metaphors like taking off armor, you Mm. know, Um, because I think 
and, and when I think about vulnerability and really defining it and understanding it, a lot of times it's, it's easiest to define it by understanding what is the opposite of that. And there's two questions, right? Like, what is it? And then the, the bigger question, I guess, is why should I care? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, why should we be vulnerable? Because being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed does not sound like a good thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, you know, protecting yourself and defending yourself, those make a lot of sense. Yeah. So one question is, what is vulnerability? And then the sort of bigger question is like, why should we care? Why should we want to do that? I like to think about, okay, what's the opposite? What if we don't do that? What does that look like? What's the opposite of vulnerability? Some of the things I wrote down when I was just sort of word clouding this, uh, avoidance, defensiveness, hiding, acting tough. And I talk a, a lot about this in terms of particularly with like working with young men, right? And, and ideas of masculinity. Tough to me is the opposite of strong. Strength is actually the ability to sort of be vulnerable and know, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I'm going to stand in my truth. I'm going to be myself, even when that seems scary. That's what strength is, right? But toughness is sort of this like overly defensiveness. It's that, you know, even in, even what you were talking about, like that trolling behavior, which is really kind of like lashing out from a place of insecurity. So, you know, these are things that to me, I can conceptualize as sort of the opposite of vulnerability, right? Another big one is, you know, what I just touched on, playing a role, mm-hmm. right? Being someone sort of other than yourself. And that's something that I think we can all relate to, especially like when you think about when you were a teenager, you know, when you're like, kids are walking around and they're like, okay, what what does cool mean and how do I have to act to trick people into thinking I'm actually cool, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody feels like they're weird on the inside and everyone else just naturally like gets it and is cool and that we have to fake it, but really everyone's faking it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so what do all these things have at the root of them? That's what lack of vulnerability looks like on the outside. And so what what is at the root? What is on the inside of this? And to me, I think a lot of it comes back to fear of failure, fear of pain, fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. It's this real fear place. And um, because none of those things feel good, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, why wouldn't you be afraid of that? Yeah. But when I think about why this is important, right, I think, you know, you and I have talked a lot about the link between vulnerability and intimacy, which is mm-hmm. absolutely true. There's also a really to me, hugely important link, and that's between vulnerability and authenticity. Mm. Oh, this I idea love that. of yeah. like living an authentic life, being truly who you are, even when that's scary, right? Even things like, you know, all these stories that we love of people standing up for the right thing, even when it cost them dearly or was terribly unpopular or whatever, that's like authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. And And I think a lot of us at different times in our lives find ourselves like feeling like we're going through the motions, like we're sort of pretending in in maybe small ways or even in big ways to be somebody we're not for the sake of getting along in our relationship or in our family or for the sake of trying to reach some conception of success or whatever. And I think the inauthentic life has consequences, right? Mm -hmm. And so- how do you shift towards that authenticity and towards vulnerability 
you know, I think it's worth it. I think the vulnerability is worth it for the authenticity and for the genuine kind of connections and intimacy you can get. Yeah. What do you think? I think that, I think that vulnerability can be in a lot of different things. I think a lot of people think vulnerability is maybe just in relationships or in a romantic sense, but Mm -hmm. you can be vulnerable every time you apply for a job, you're being vulnerable, you know, um, you're feeling vulnerable, right? Vulnerable right now, because you don't know if you're going to have a full-time job in the fall. Like that's a very vulnerable thing. This podcast is a very vulnerable thing. Um, and so I think, I think for me, as I've, and I love that you said there's an aspect of authenticity because for me in my journey, I've really tried to become more of who I am. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that journey was even trying to understand who I was. And then a lot of that journey is continuing to fight for who I am mm. and not trying to be someone else or act like someone else or do things that aren't like, for instance, I always say this, that I'm not really into casual hookups. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I think just deep down, it's just not, it doesn't, like you said, the vulnerability intimacy equation isn't there. And for me, because I am such an authentic person and I'm so in tune with my feelings, it does not feel good. It doesn't feel good. I don't like it. And there are some people out there that are fine with casual sex, you know, and you and I have our thoughts about that. But there are times when I want to be like, yeah, I'll be fine with it. I mean, I mm-hmm. I just want to be with someone. I just want to have fun. I just want to have this experience. But ultimately, that's not who I am. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of vulnerability in that. I think even with my parents, like, even just saying thank you or asking for help. You Mm -hmm. know, if you're feeling down, reaching out to a friend being like, Hey, I'm feeling really down. Can you talk right now? There's vulnerability in that. So, and what you said is like, whenever there's a sense of maybe there could be failure involved with that or being hurt involved with that, it doesn't matter how big or little, right? It could be a lot of different things, but I also think that's why a lot of people struggle to find someone is because they, they don't want to get into that vulnerability spot. Mm -hmm. And so they become avoidant. Yeah. And I I think Brene Brown sort of has a shorthand, which is vulnerability is showing up and allowing yourself to be seen, you know, Mm. and, and that's scary because what if people don't like what they see? You know, that's yeah. like, that's oh, the root yeah. of all of it. Right. And and I think that shows up for a lot of people with dating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, doing this podcast was, is still terrifying. Yeah. You know, because it's not only is there the fear of potential failure that maybe this, I mean, in a year, if I still have the same number of followers as I do now, I mean, I think it'd be pretty likely to say I didn't make it. Hmm. (laughs) right um and then and then on top of that there's the fear of someone using what i'm saying against me or like receiving criticism that maybe is very personal um you know so there's there's a lot of vulnerability within that you know and i and but i try and show up 
as myself. Yeah. Right. And because if I'm anything, but you guys aren't going to connect with that. Mm -hmm. You have to be true and authentic. Totally. You know, that's so interesting. I have a lot of that. I think fear around being on a podcast. Right. Um, Because so my, so the, my specific fear is that people who knew me, like at other points in my life or like when I was younger or whatever would be like, how can this guy be on a podcast? Like, I don't know, like giving advice or sort of talking about these kinds of things or whatever, when like I was pretty shitty, like, Mm. you know, like that's the, that's the fear that I have that someone's going to be like, you, you were like a really shitty person to me. Like Mm. either when I dated you or, or whatever it was. And I'm a, like a flawed person, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I, but what's interesting is Brene Brown would say, like, I'm still carrying around, like, I think a lot of guilt or shame from like my past or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm really having these fears and, and concerns. I mean, obviously it's not stopping me from being here, but it is something that flares right. up for me inside that I have to deal with. Yeah. And I think for me, it's more so, I'm nervous about what could potentially come out on future episodes and and what the reaction of that will be. Yeah. Yeah, it's but anyway, you know, I think what's really important about vulnerability is it it's something that you can constantly work on. Like it's mm-hmm. not like a you wake up one day and you're vulnerable or and then once you're vulnerable, you're good for life. Yep. You know, it's like something you constantly have to work on. And I think for me something that has really helped is trying to be very present with my emotions. Mm -hmm. So in order to be vulnerable, you have to be aware of what you're feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where men probably don't do as well with this because like you said, um, men are, are raised to not have feelings and emotions, Mm -hmm. you know, And so women are just more likely to be aware of what they're feeling. But so for instance, like, let's say my dad came out and was mad about something. He was kind of in a bad mood. He was feeling grumpy and he kind of snapped at me. So my feeling, my outside feeling would be anger, right? Like, how could you Mm -hmm. snap at me? I can't believe that. But really what I would be feeling was all of that past hurt that, you know, my dad yelling at me and all of that stuff would come back, right? It's a trigger. Yes. And so it's hurt. It's pain. Yeah. And it's, and it's also like the anger is the second thing that happens. The first thing, and it happens so quickly that you don't even notice it is I think some part of you responds to him. Some like little girl part of you goes, Oh, I did a bad thing. Like I messed up, Mm -hmm. you know, like you, you take it in on some level and then the anger comes almost instantly. Right. Yeah, I think that's a better, yeah, it's the hurt first and then the anger. So then in that moment, the vulnerability aspect of it would not be to yell back or to storm away or to just hold it in. The vulnerability thing would be to maybe at some point when he would be ready to hear it, whether it's in an email or walk into his room or send him a text, just be like, hey, I didn't appreciate that. It really hurt my feelings, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I love you and I'm here. Yeah. So that, you know, and so I think that has been what I've been working on, even in these small little relationships. And I've found that 
they men don't know what to do with that. <laughs> like for instance, the last guy that well, I mean, I I mean you could take the guy that was here for I was talking to him for 24 hours or whatever. Even me just being very vulnerable and sending him that text that was like, listen, I like you. Like, mm-hmm. I want to see where this is going. Doesn't have to go fast. We don't have to get married, all this stuff. But like, I don't want this to go away because what I felt was so real, that was very vulnerable. Yeah. And I didn't have to choose that route. I could have just never responded. Mm-hmm. I could have just said, you know what? You're an asshole. Bye. You know, but instead I knew that neither of those things would accomplish what I wanted because what I wanted was to keep talking to him. So why not put myself out there in a way that's more approachable and see what he did with that? Obviously he didn't like it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but that's part of being vulnerable. Well, we don't know, right? I mean, yeah, we don't know whether he liked it or not, right? Well, I mean, in in terms of like he didn't act on it, yeah. Like he, you know, sure. See, but so, that, but 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 that's that that's really important and interesting. I mean, because a who knows, like that fucking guy could have been married or something like that. Um, I know, right? But yeah, I, I think a few things about what you're saying. One is you have to intentionally develop the ability to ask yourself wow, what am I feeling right now? Like, where is this sort of anger coming from or this defensiveness coming from or whatever? And it's especially like when you get triggered, when you're reactive. So that being at the place of like opposite of vulnerability and authenticity and stuff like that, that place feels like, I think for a lot of us, like we're at the mercy of our emotions. Like we're Mm -hmm. very reactive, like these things, you know, well, this person did this and then I just lost it or whatever, right? And so the more you can build that space to be like, wow, I'm really upset right now. or I'm really frustrated or I'm like, you know, whatever you're feeling, then you're on, on your way, right? When you can start doing it yourself, then you can start doing it with other people and you'll be amazed. It's like the reaction you get, like something that could have been this screaming match between you and your dad, right? Even if you right. were in that moment are able to catch it and go hey, you just hurt my feelings, you know? And like, because it doesn't also have to be this big, heavy thing. Sure, absolutely. You know, can just be like, uh, are you trying to hurt my feelings right now? You know, and then people go, what? Well, you know? that's a little passive. Yeah, uh, you're right, you're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> I mean, depends on, I mean, I think it depends on, yeah, your, your dynamic with the other person, but you can catch it and then you can really interrupt these patterns that we all get into, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think it's really important for a healthy relationship with anyone, mm-hmm. with yourself, learning how to understand what you're feeling, with your family, learning how to communicate your needs and how to, you know, just kind of communicate on a more effective level. Yep. And then especially with your significant other, where there is already so much other vulnerability within that, right? Mm-hmm. You're I'm assuming as if you're with a significant other, you're probably having sex. There's vulnerability within that. So can you imagine having that vulnerability and then the emotional aspect of it is not vulnerable and there's going to be a huge disconnection and you have to keep working and adding on the layers to continue to grow within the relationship. Yeah. Well, and, and something else that I 
really appreciated what you said. One, as we're talking, it's amazing to me how much we could just substitute the word authenticity for vulnerability and vulnerability Mm -hmm. for authenticity, like how much they really go hand in hand. But part of that journey to authenticity, I think, is a shift happens from being primarily concerned with what other people think and how other people are going to react to that shifting internal to like, mm-hmm. well, this is my truth. So I'm going to, I'm going to be here and I'm going to mm-hmm. share that or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have a little rule in relationships where like, cause one of the most vulnerable things you can do is like, tell someone how you feel about them. Right. Like mm-hmm. at the beginning, you know, when you're going to say to someone like, Hey, I really like you or I want to see you again, you know, that's vulnerable. And then if you fast forward a few weeks or whatever, it's like, Hey, are we exclusive, right? Like that's another vulnerability because you're putting yourself out there. You're, you're, you're letting the person know what you think of them all, all the way up to saying like, I love you or whatever. And my rule is that I check in with myself. If I'm feeling the urge to like tell someone like how I'm feeling about them, whether it's, I love you, whether it's, I'm really excited about this relationship or whatever. I check in with myself first. And I, I ask myself like, will I feel differently about what I'm about to say, depending on the reaction I get, Mm. you know, like, am I going to be upset if they don't say it back or if they don't, whatever. So if the answer is yes to that, then I don't say it. Right. So I make sure that I'm, I'm only going to tell you how I feel about you because it's how I feel. And I want to share that with you. And right. If you don't, if you're not as excited back or whatever, like that's okay with me. Like I kind of prepare myself for that. Mm, and mm. I'm like, this is where I'm at and I want you to know. Okay. So you said you're, you would only say it if it didn't change how you felt by their reaction. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, so, so what, what I'm doing is I'm asking myself, am I wanting to say this because this is really authentically how I'm feeling and, and I, and I want to just communicate that with this other person or am I saying it because I want to hear something from them? Oh, like validation yes. or you want to feel good. Yeah. Right. And this is where in your story, right. What I appreciated is that shift from the outside or the other person or the response you get being important to just, the, is this my truth being important, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think of it like that. So when I'm asking myself that question, right? Like if I'm getting ready to say, I love you to somebody in asking myself that question, I'm sort of considering like, well, they might be like, Oh my God, I love you too. And jump into my arms. Right. Or they might not say it. And I think even just taking time for me to kind of think about that and like, well, okay. So what would happen if they didn't say it? That doesn't necessarily mean that they don't want to be with me. That doesn't mean that I'm an idiot for saying it, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, by the way, I read a great quote about this specific scenario, um, which is like uh, somebody's significant other said to them, I love you. And they didn't say it back. And then the person said to comfort them, like, um, look, like we're reading the same book. You're just like a, a couple chapters ahead of me. Oh, is that nice? I like that. Yeah. You know, so recognizing, right. And this is kind of, for me, diffusing like trigger points is like, okay, well, let's think it through. Like what's really going to happen? Like that's kind of a cognitive behavioral Mm -hmm. therapy technique. Right. But so then the person doesn't say it back. And if I've done this, 
then I'm okay with that, right? Mm-hmm. Then I'm not destroyed, like, because nothing has changed. You know, they're the same person. I still feel the way I feel. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It takes yeah, some of the, I think, the heat. I off. think you have to be a very secure person, though. Like, you have to be very secure in what you feel and who you are as a person if you're going to say that and they're not reciprocating it back. Yeah. I think that's true. But I think, right, again, the authenticity is more important, right? Like, mm-hmm. rather right. than like, oh, my God, what what are they going to think if I say this? Or right. what if they're not on the same page as me or whatever? You know, like, is that is that the most important thing? Or is sort of speaking your truth, being authentic, being yourself, is that the most important thing? Right. Yeah. I mean, being authentic and speaking your truth. I mean, yeah, like, like, okay, that was probably dumb, like, to ask that question that way. Because, yes, we would all say yes, but I think we're so tripped up by the, like, oh, my God, well, I, I can't say that. Like, what if what if I'm the only one who's feeling this way or, or whatever it is, right? We think that in a million different scenarios. You know, if you're in, like, a big meeting at work and you're like, oh, should I say this thing? You know, because fear of consequences, fear of – yeah. Like, how people will respond. I don't know. Well, I wanted to maybe give some examples of, so for me, I think I've been too vulnerable in the past Mm. and I've had to learn how to create boundaries to only be vulnerable when I know it's the right time. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think there's that side of it too, where, you know, there are people that have a really hard time being vulnerable in the first place. And then there's probably more of my side where I find it fairly easy to be vulnerable in certain respects. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I've always been a sharer, Mm -hmm. you know, if someone asked me how I was feeling, I would tell them. Or if I ran into someone on the street and they saw I was having a bad day and they asked me, I would tell them like my face. Like I remember in high school, I was walking out of my classroom and I had this look up. I was thinking about something and some kid stopped me. He goes, are you okay? Because my (laughs) face was so like transparent with Mm -hmm. what I was thinking. Um, So I've always had an easy time with that. So when I first went through my divorce and I started dating again, or even with people that would check in with me in my life and just wanted to meet for coffee and catch up, every person was like, well, what happened? Well, what happened? Mm. Well, what happened? And I shared every time. And I wish that I didn't mm-hmm. because I I gave those people that weren't necessarily deserving of that information, especially the guys that I dated, um, way too much of myself Yeah, when they didn't earn it. So I slowly learned it took, took me like a year and a half, two years to kind of, first of all, if you know someone who has been divorced or is going through a divorce, the worst question is, well, what happened? Mm. (laughs) Just don't ask that question. Just take that question off the table. Let them come to you if they want to. Yeah. Just say, I'm so sorry you're going through that. I'm here if you need me. That's Mm -hmm. it. Don't pry. But I finally, when those questions were asked to me and I realized, yeah, no, I don't want to share that information with this person, or I'm not ready to share that information with this person. I would just be like, um, yeah, it was just a lot of stuff. And, you know, maybe I'll share with you down the road. Yeah. See, like that's also, and this is where it helps to maybe think about authenticity 
in conjunction with, with, with vulnerability, because that's part of the shift from outside to inside. And it's part that I didn't expect, you know, that I found myself in relationships more recently, like holding back, you know, like, and, and, and I think there's a way to do that. That's not sort of like shutting the other person down or being evasive or whatever. Like I've said this, you know, when Nicole and I were first together and in other situations recently, like I've said, I don't know if I'm ready to talk about that, you know? Mm -hmm. And again, not saying it like it's this big, heavy thing. Like, look, I really have some, you know, cause sometimes we make things out to be a bigger deal than they need to be. We, right. we don't need to use the, like somebody has cancer voice. Right. Right. And I, I didn't expect that, but I'm like, oh, wow. Cause that's part of, again, the outside thing is, well, this person wants me to tell them the whole story of what happened with my divorce. Right. Mm -hmm. And if we live from that place of like, well, so I'm going to tell them because that's what they're wanting right now. Mm -hmm. um, and when we get to that more inside place of valuing ourselves and our truth and our authenticity, then the response is, well, do I want to tell this person? Do I want to yes. trust this person with all of this really vulnerable stuff about me? Mm -hmm. Sometimes that answer is no. And so then I think your response was beautiful. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, one of those things. <laughs> Yeah. And it's something that I've learned. And it's if I'm on a first date with a guy or I'm texting a guy for the first time and I let them know I'm divorced, if they say, oh, what happened? It's like kind of a deal breaker for me mm -hmm. because I feel like there's a level of uh, or a lack of empathy and mm -hmm. a lack of awareness of like, you don't ask over text yeah, or like someone that you don't know that question. And so, you know, if you are a male and you're listening <laughs> or a female and you start dating someone who has gone through something heavy mm. um, in their lives, don't say what happened. Just just don't do it. Just let them know like, oh, OK, you know, whenever you're ready to share, I'm here to listen. Yeah. So I was going to ask that because I wonder if, you know, someone might be thinking like, well, this person's bringing it up. So maybe they do want to talk about it or whatever. So like, yes. I like the way you just said it of saying like, oh, you know, I'd be open to, to hearing about that sometime if you want to talk about that. Yeah. And I could see where there would be a little bit of like, oh, okay, she's saying she's went through this divorce. Um, maybe she does want to talk about it. But I think for me, it's just like, yeah, I'm divorced. Like I went through a divorce three and a half years ago. That's it. That's where it stops. <laughs> yeah. So I think the safer bet is to say, oh, I'm so sorry you went through that. Yeah, let me know if you ever, whenever you want to share, if you ever want to open up about it, I'm here. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I think to me, there's a lot of ways to get here, right? Like self-awareness, lots of therapy, right? And by get here, like I don't, I'm not there. Like I still act defensive and like a child like a hundred times a day, right? Uh, mindfulness training um, is really good. Um, but I think the biggest one is cultivating self-acceptance and self-love, right? Like that's where you shift from the outside in. And actually a really cool line of research in like my field right now is um, self-compassion. And I, I just taught this in my class that I was teaching this semester. And and it's actually the, the researcher Kristen Neff is sort of putting forward this idea of self-compassion as actually something we were trying to get at when self-esteem became so important in parenting and schools and stuff like that. But self-esteem mm. is actually like a bad concept and self-compassion is a better one. Right. Mm. And this is how I did it sort of in my class. So picture like a frowny face, right? Like the little frowny emoji and underneath that 
like the words, I'm no good. Right. So, Aww. right. Yes. That's right. Everyone feels like that. Like that's so sad, right? You don't want anyone to be there, but yet in some ways, like we all, we all feel that we all feel like we're like broken or maybe there's something wrong with us or I'm the only one who feels this way. Right. It makes sense to me why parents and educators and all these people were like, Oh my God, we have to, kids should have good self-esteem because healthy kids who can take risks and do well and, and whatever they feel okay about themselves. So maybe if we didn't have so many, you know, kids walking around with the frowny face and thinking that they're no good, you know, so let's get them to feel better. What what we want is a little smiley face with the words, I'm okay under it, right? Mm-hmm. I think what self-esteem does too often, and this is where we all can kind of go to this ego place within us or this defensiveness place within us, rather than saying I'm okay, it sort of shifts to being like, I'm special mm-hmm. or, you know, and so much of self-esteem is like outwardly oriented of like, well, I'm, I'm better than other people, right? Mm. At this or that, or just overall, right? And then you've got narcissism, mm. <laughs> you know? Um, well, and it's a false self-esteem. Yes, right? And that's, what, that's what's so important when I think about, because for me, like, I had that being very, like, like, not having a lot of acceptance and love for myself, particularly, like, as a kid and as a teenager. Like, when I became a teenager, I kind of, put on this sort of false bravado ego, like teenage angst, kind of like this ego self that's like, I'm special. I can't, I can't, I can't see that. Oh, I was the most obnoxious <laughs> kid in the world. Do you, have pictures? Do you have high school pictures? Oh, yes. I hope you never get to see them. Um, I want to see, I want to see <laughs> it so bad. But, but it's like, but you know, like I, I sort of had this thing of like, and it was really like all from this fear place of like, no one could like, I don't need anybody. So like people can't hurt me. Like it was that kind of thing. But inside I was still like so desperate for everyone else's approval. Right. Mm. Uh, and so the idea of cultivating compassion for ourselves, right. Which doesn't mean we have to be better than other people or, or we have to get a promotion or have a partner and a kid by the time we turn 35 or whatever it is. Right. We don't, it's, it's all inward. It's that I'm okay. Right. Mm-hmm. It's that like, I'm trying as hard as I can and other people are too. And this is really hard. Um, and so I, I love the concept of, of self-compassion mm-hmm. and kind of developing that a, as a means to be able to do what, what you're describing, I think with our family yeah. with partners. Yes. I think that's a really great point because I think that, so being aware of how you feel, right? But also being confident in who you are to be okay with how you feel, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you are really hard on yourself all the time Mm -hmm. um, or you don't have self-compassion, then probably things are going to trigger you a lot more than someone who's a little bit more confident in who they are. And so I think- No, I I, I totally agree. Yeah, go ahead. Do you agree? Okay, so I think in the, on the vulnerability side of it, if you do have a kind of like a poor self image, I think it's going to be harder to be in tune with how you actually feel because you have all of this kind of darkness clouding over the 
the depth of it Mm -hmm. because you have your own like pain around that. Yeah. So, so then the pain that others inflict on you is going to be three times more Yeah. because you're not healing from your own pain. Mm -hmm. I don't know. No, I, I agree. Yes. I love that. Like dark cloud uh, image. Like that really, I don't know that really like touched something in me emotionally, but like, um, (laughs) are you crying? I I, I got a little choked up. I love that image. And I think the other thing that's sort of multiplying and keeping people stuck in that place is that you're looking for the outward approval to be the way that you change the way you feel about yourself. Yes. Right. hundred percent. If I get this, if this, if this, if these other people tell me I'm cool, I'm okay, I'm attractive, I'm smart, whatever it is, right then I'll be able to believe in myself, but it never yes. works that way. Right. It, yeah. It, you have to go from the inside out kind of. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that's something I really struggle with in terms of like being okay with being single. Mm. Cause it, it, there is a, a bit of like an ego, what, what would it be called? Like a ego drop or an ego buster. Uh, <laughs> sure. When it's, when it's like your ego is like a, I don't know, like a, like would you help a friend out, ego? like taking a hit to your ego, or like um, like no, ego. there's like a this. I know, I know, I can't think of it either. Damn it! Okay, anyway, it's the opposite um, of an ego boost. <laughs> it you know, it's like why can't I find someone? What is wrong with me? Am I too loud? Am I too like? strong like i'm a strong person do i have too many opinions am i not good looking enough am i not the right body type am i like all of these things and so then if i'm thinking of those things right if that's what's kind of surrounding my thoughts then when i meet someone and they find me attractive then i'm more like to likely to cling to that because i'm like oh well he finds me attractive I must not be all of those things that I thought I was. And so it's really important for me to actually, someone asked me this on Instagram. She said, how do you work on your self image? Like how, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's a struggle and it absolutely is. It's something that I work on all the time. I'm can be very critical of my body and who I am as a person. And what I'll do often is I'll, like make a a letter and I'll write, I am this, I am this. And I'll write all the things that I love about myself. And one of the first ones is I am special, you know, Mm -hmm. I am unique. I am this. And then I paste it or I, I don't paste it. (laughs) Like I take out my paste. (laughs) I take out my jar of paste. (laughs) I tape it to my wall or my mirror. And I just, you have to practice those things. And when I look in the mirror and I see something I don't like, I just have to like, I have to immediately give myself grace. Like, okay, yeah, maybe I didn't eat the way I wanted to eat, but I can, you know, I'm going to get back on track. This is a hard time. I've had a rough day. I think it's just being able to provide that self-assurance to yourself constantly Mm -hmm. so that you don't get to the point where you're needing that outward affection from people. Yeah, and, and it's this interesting balance. And I, one of the first yoga teachers I ever had said this, and it stuck with me and I love it because it's something that I try to bring to my yoga practice and like all of my life, right? Which is the, 
you're trying to strike this balance between effort right of like okay i'm here i'm on my mat i want to kind of get strong and do my practice and sort of push myself a little bit um you know and kind of get sweaty and all this stuff it's effort and then but the thing that counterbalances that is a non-concern for results Mm. right so you know and it's really tricky when you're like wait, so there's all these changes I want to make in my life, but you're telling me that the key to making all of them is to accept myself and love myself exactly as I am now. Like, how is that? Like, it's such a paradox, you know? Like, Right. Wait, um, who, who was this yoga teacher? Was uh, it me? No. Do you want me wow. to say it was you? Wow. It was back in Pennsylvania. How dare you bring up any yoga teacher? Another yoga other- teacher. <laughs> <laughs> um. Right. But I I think that's really important of like, okay, so there are things, you know, there's goals I have for myself, for my life, but I'm going to have compassion with myself in getting there. Right. Because I think it's what's scary is that is to go totally to that ego place of like, well, I'm great as I am. And if people don't like it, then fuck them, like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, that's Mm -hmm. not, that doesn't (laughs) sound like self-love and self-acceptance either in in an authentic way that that sounds like that ego defensiveness you know Mm -hmm. but i don't know but some people have to start there you know like if you've been hurt i don't know yeah it's a tricky thing because we're all dealing with our own shit you know and one of actually one of my favorite quotes from brene brown is um stop taking your shit out on other people yep you know and i think i think that goes along with kind of what we're saying is like if you're dealing with pain and something happens and you lash out in anger, you're taking your shit out on someone else mm-hmm. instead of being aware and dealing with that inside of yourself, being aware of that feeling, and then getting to a point where you can be vulnerable to express how you're really feeling um, mm-hmm. to that other person. So let's let's go over some basic, like, kind of like we said, like, you're not just going to wake up one day and have the key to vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are some basic things that our listeners can do like during this time right now that could maybe help them along in this journey? Yeah. I mean, I would say that a really good first step is developing the sort of muscle to be aware of what's happening within you both Mm -hmm. within your body and within your emotions and your thoughts and stuff like that. So to cultivate that self-awareness is almost always a really important first step. Were you about to ask how to do that or no? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, I I have some thoughts, but go, go. go. No, no, no. Okay. Well, obviously my first suggestion would be start seeing a therapist. A hundred percent. Yes. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And now you can see therapists online. There are therapists in our communities and our communities that are offering discounts to clients who want to start doing sessions. Mm -hmm. So highly recommend therapy. Yep. Like it is, it is not overrated. It's underrated. Yes. I will say though, I've had a number of people say, well, I tried therapy and I just didn't connect with the therapist. So try a different therapist. Yeah. Like it's, it, you can try them on for size. It's like, you know, sh- shopping for a favorite pair of shoes. You're not going to find the right shoes right away. You got to yep. shop all over. You got to find the right prices. So, you know, don't give up if you don't connect with your therapist, just try and find someone else. Um, yeah, I did. Then, 
Sorry, I just on that, I did like three initial consults when I was looking and eventually found my current therapist, right? And I walked into all of them with, here's what I want to work on, you know? And, and really, I think the best way to frame that question, you know, that I tell people is like, walk in with like, here's how I would like my life to be better. Um, mm-hmm. And think about that both like, you know, maybe there's some out, outward tangible stuff there, but probably a lot of it is like inward stuff. Of like, you know, I want to live without constant anxiety and stress and worry or, um, you know, constantly beating myself up or whatever it is. And then, so walk in with what you want to work on, walk into your initial like, because you're interviewing the therapist as well here. Absolutely. With here's how I like to work, you know, and Brene Brown talks about this in her TED talk about walking in and being like, look, I don't want to get into childhood stuff. Like, let's just be, you know, like, and, and she's sort of making fun of herself there, but that's a real thing. You know, if, if you're mm-hmm. like, I just, I'm a very practical person. Like, I just want to be really solution focused and like, let's do it. One of the mm-hmm. things I tell therapists is I'm like, look, I want someone who will challenge and push me. I won't stay very long with a therapist who like, when I say something, you know, where they're like really on that empathy thing, if they're just like, wow, that must've been very hard for you. I'm like, yeah, no, I want you to tell me like where I'm full of shit. And like, you know, like, let's, See, let's, let's like- get to work here. I need the empathy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's good though. So like, right. You yeah. would choose a different therapist than me, you know, or, right, or, right. You, or you would yeah. give your therapist the feedback to work differently with you than they would. Yeah. I think I've had maybe four or five different therapists throughout my life. Mm-hmm. And um, there were a couple that I went to one time and was like, I never want to go back to that person. There is a therapist for everyone. Yep. So start, you know, if you are ready for it, do some therapy. Mm-hmm. That is one of the best ways to start being aware of what you're feeling. Um, the other thing is doing things that create mindfulness. So yes. meditation, um, certain types of yoga. Mm-hmm. I would say the power yoga classes, probably not so much. Um, maybe a more restorative yin focused or like a... Um, a slower flow because the thing is with the power yoga classes. Yeah. You're, you're not thinking about your thoughts, but you're not thinking about much because you're, you're just moving so fast. You're sweating. You're it's a different type of thing. I think the idea with mindfulness is as we are maybe moving or in a certain pose where there is a little bit of stillness, um, then you're like able to, take some time to really think about how you're feeling. Meditation, like mm-hmm. I said before, is really great. Yeah, I would say and mindfulness med- training. So there's so the in in terms of like research, there's what was initially created was a 8-week course called mindfulness-based stress reduction or MBSR for short. And I would say google that, you know, if you can find And there's all kinds of different online programs and stuff where you can do that eight week course. Um, It's really a great, I mean, I did it when I was just out of grad school. It's a great thing to really give you a thorough understanding of mindfulness and practice of the different ways you can cultivate it. Cause I think what's so hard is with any kind of self-improvement or change you want to make in your life, you know, it's like, I can read the book, I can watch the Ted talk and be really inspired or whatever, but then what? And, um, someone once said to me, like, you need three things. You need a goal, a plan and a consistent action. 
Mm. You know, so like lay out what the goal is. The plan is like, okay, how am I going to get from A to B? And then the consistent action is like, okay, what's the thing I'm going to do every day or three times mm-hmm. a week or whatever mm-hmm. um, to get there? Because all of this stuff has to, it's going to be that incremental kind of one day at a time sort of thing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And what I was going to say about the meditation too, is for those of you who maybe aren't comfortable with just sitting there and trying to think about nothing. I don't think that's always the idea with meditation. You can sit there and think of an emotion and focus on that emotion. You can think of a mantra. A mantra would be like, I am special and just say that over and over and over. You can count to 10 and then back down again. Like there's a ton of different variations of meditation. Um, you could, if you're a spiritual, you could pray while you're meditating. So mm-hmm. it's not, it doesn't have to be this sit there and have no thoughts and feel bad if you can't do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it can, yeah. it can also just be five minutes. It doesn't have to be yep. a super long thing. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, meditation is the opposite of like, think of nothing, right? Because that's mm-hmm. impossible. No one's going to do that. I, you know, to use like an exercise metaphor of like, you know, building up a muscle, like what you're training your mind to do, I think two things. One is you're practicing over and over and over again, sort of gently and compassionately directing your attention to where you want it to be, which is maybe it's the feeling of your breath or maybe it's a mantra or something like that. So mm-hmm. you're, you're practicing that over and over and up. My, I you know started thinking about what I have to do later, back to my breath. Up, mm-hmm. I was, you know, like thinking about what I said to that person yesterday or, or, you know, the person who cut me off in traffic on the way here or whatever. Okay. Now back to my breath. So it's, that's one of the muscles you're exercising and building up is the ability to redirect your attention and to do that compassionately and non-judgmentally. Mm-hmm. Um, the second muscle you're exercising is acceptance, mm-hmm. right? Of like, okay, like there's another thought that's okay. You know, like not mm-hmm. kind of, getting angry. It's like reacting with equanimity, right? That like, um, whatever is happening is what's happening. And and there's no point in sort of being mad about it or, or like, why isn't it different? You know, why aren't I having great, blissful, amazing meditation feelings right now yeah. or whatever? Right? Yeah. And there's actually studies, um, that show when you can meditate or do a yoga practice and practice non-judgment, it enhances things in your life. Yeah. So it, it, you know, and I'm talking specifically about a a study with athletes, but um, I mean, I think about just the idea of talking positively to plants versus negatively to plants, you Mm -hmm. know, like anytime you're going to harvest yourself, like, you know, like you, you water yourself, you Mm -hmm. seed yourself, you're going to grow. So Mm if you're constantly being like, Oh, I can't believe I did this. And I'm the worst person. And I can't stay focused, blah, 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 versus nurturing and accepting and giving yourself grace, then that's when you're, you're going to yeah. find the growth within yourself. And and so, yeah, therapy is great. Meditation, mindfulness training is great. Even just start reading about it, start going online, you know, John Kabat-Zinn, there's Tara Brock, there's all these people. Um, Watch Brene Bradbrown. Or- <laughs> Brene Bradbrown? <laughs> Many people don't know I'm her so, middle so name sorry. is Ashley I'm so Brown. tired. <laughs> I, I moved for eight hours yesterday. I'm so tired. Um, Brene Brown's TED Talk or yeah. order any of her books. So, and I, I would add to this, right? So, you know, because you hit on this idea of being too vulnerable too soon in ways that weren't helpful. Um, 
or that left you feeling icky afterwards, right? But one other thing that's really true is sort of opening ourselves and sharing our authentic selves with others is tremendously healing. And mm-hmm. like, you know, like so much of like the fear and shame we walk around with, wow, like if if other people knew that I did this or whatever, that, you know, they would be horrified or whatever. And then mm-hmm. you share that with someone and they don't react with like shock and disgust. And they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. me too. You know, and you're like, yeah. what? I mean, that's like amazing. So, so I would say find others that you can really trust, you know, because it's hard when we kind of pick people, all of us sometimes are bad at picking people and then they end up hurting us and kind of maybe reinforcing some of these things. But mm-hmm. if you have people that care about you, that are worthy of your trust, um, to make time to, to mm-hmm. just sort of share what's happening with you in a, in a real way. Um, and there's, you know, groups you can join even online kind of mutual support, mutual help groups and other things like that. But just that talking, you know, is, is really important and healing. Yeah. And I think, so all of that was kind of becoming aware of like how we're feeling. Mm -hmm. And so then I think once you start creating that consistency with an awareness of how you're feeling, then like you said, like, then you can start to kind of dive into some of the vulnerability stuff, like reaching out to a friend and be like, Hey, listen, I, this has been on my heart. I really want to share this with you. Would you mind listening to me? Or, you know, picking up the phone and sending that vulnerable text of like, Hey, I'm feeling really down right now. Do you mind just like maybe FaceTiming with me and we can watch a movie or drink some wine together? You know, the other thing is I wanted to challenge you guys the next time you get into um, like a, a fight or a like a what's it called when it's not a fight, but it's like a nitpicky like altercation. Like a, sure. Or an argument. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long since I've been in a relationship. I don't know what these terms are called anymore. Yeah. So like next time you get in like a little argument or whatever, or you feel like. Somebody, oh, or wait, was was the word you're looking for bicker when you start? Bickering? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Instead of reacting, yep. pull back. So like, see if you can uh, challenge yourself to not react one time and instead to, to stop, take a few breaths, maybe leave the room if you need to let your partner know that you need a little bit of space mm-hmm. and then try and figure out what you're feeling. And instead of saying the thing that you're going to later regret, or it's going to make the bickering or argument or whatever get worse, um, say what you're really feeling. Like, hey, that hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. Or I'm really feeling alone right now. Mm-hmm. Or I feel like I'm doing a lot of the work and it's not being appreciated. And I would like to feel appreciated. You know, So there's just so many ways to to communicate in more effective ways that require vulnerability. Yeah. And so I just kind of wanted to challenge you guys to, you know, during this time, since we're all together 24 <laughs> seven, <laughs> we're all trapped with each other. Yes. To start practicing some of those techniques, because at some point our lives will continue at some point, we're not going to have this space anymore of this kind of like, brilliancy of connection you know we're being forced into connection and 
we, we, this time is going to pass. We won't be here forever. Our lives are going to get crazy again. We're going to be on the go again. Um, and so I think why not just kind of try and grow as a person and within your relationships right now? Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if a sort of silver lining or something really beautiful and positive that came from all of this is like, wow, we ran out of Netflix things to watch and we got tired of looking at social media on our phones and we spent more time together face to face with the people in our lives. And Mm. we sort of deepened our ability to be in authentic connection. And we deepened our awareness of how good that feels and how great that is. Right. We did puzzles Mm -hmm. together. We played cards together. Um, Mm -hmm. We just sat and talked, you know, and, uh, I don't know. God, I feel like the world would be so much better. So like, yeah, you know, I like, agree. what if we Although, all like, who, who's going to finish Netflix? <laughs> no one. But I mean, like, no, but literally my father, who is 80 years old, who loves TV, mm-hmm. loves TV, said to me today on the telephone, I am so sick of TV. And he's like, and, and he even said he was like, you know me, like, I never thought I would say that in my life. But I am so sick of watching TV. Wow, you know, and it's wow, like, and I think big. a lot of people are there, right? Yeah. Um, See, I don't, I don't normally watch TV or movies, so me binging shows like Ozark or whatever, it's not, it's not my normal. So I'm not sick of it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I totally, I love that, and I think, I think that there can be a lot of positive things that come out of this, and why not let, you know, this be one of them? Yeah. Totally. Okay. Well, I wanted to, I went on Instagram and I asked you guys, like, what was a time that you felt most vulnerable? Um, and hoping I would get some funny answers. And I did, I didn't get a ton, but, um, the first one was all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, like I can imagine there's probably a lot of us that are feeling vulnerable a lot right now you know, vulnerable to what's going to happen. What is the future going to hold? Um, mm. Vulnerable to the getting COVID, you know? Yeah. Um, Which by the way, I mean, that feels, I, I don't know if this is true for that person, but that feels to me, right? Like um, that's what anxiety feels like mm-hmm. is that it's, you're constantly under threat, right? Of like, yeah. Oh no, Oh no, Oh no. Um, and yeah. And, and I wonder, I don't know, my like hope for that person would be to shift to right, like develop some of that, like, I'm okay. Like, and, and yeah. I don't have to do it all perfectly. And I don't have to whatever, you know, I actually heard I was listening to a podcast where the the woman was talking about how people who already struggle with anxiety are doing fine. <laughs> because they're so used to this feeling you know like they're that's this is what anxiety feels like it feels like panic and uncomfortable and all of that stuff Mm -hmm. so anyway i mean i'm sure i'm sure that's not a blanket statement but um okay so the other one was uh when i unmuted my family chat so when did i feel most vulnerable when you unmuted your family chat Uh, when I shared my Amazon prime password, oh, I've done that yeah. before. I've done that before. And I don't think I, I don't think I ever got it back. So I mean, like, it. I guess you don't get the, pa- you don't get it back, Here but it's go. my, it's my parents though. Oh. <laughs> so they'd have to change it. Um, and then after the fourth tequila shot, yeah, that'll do it. 
Well, so that's so funny. So one of the things when you were talking about ways that you um, feel too vulnerable, I thought of a, a good friend of mine who has really stopped sort of going out and drinking as much because what she described is like the next that that she'll drink and then she'll sort of share in this kind of uncensored, really open way. Mm. And then she'll really regret it the next day. Mm. And, um, and alcohol is one of those things, right? That's, that's, that's why we like it. And that's also why it can be really damaging to people is because we want to be super courageous and uninhibited and like, well, I'm just going to tell this person what I think and I don't care how they react. Right. But it's sort of that alcohol fueled, like false bravado. And then the next day when the alcohol is out of your bloodstream and you're dealing with the consequences of all the things you said and did, then it feels really, really shitty. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Way to like make our fun game go. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) God. I just, I get so into like talking about this stuff and I'm always like, Ooh, let's, let's take that apart and go like three levels deeper with it. I don't know. I'm the worst. Well, on that very positive, no, I'm just joking. Um, no, yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, obviously this girl was joking, but, um, yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people, maybe they skip over the actual vulnerability and, and then rely on feeling loose, whether you're high or drunk, mm-hmm. to kind of take those times to be vulnerable. And obviously that's not extremely healthy to do. Yeah, it's like and it's 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 more meaningful and usually goes better if you're like, I'm choosing this. Like Absolutely. Yeah, it's a little scary, but I'm gonna do it and I'm not yeah. gonna like do it because, you know, I've had, you know, a couple of drinks and now I'm and now mm-hmm. I'm going to do it or whatever, you know, but it's yeah. hard for people to get there. Do you, do you have, what was a time that you felt most vulnerable? Oof. You know, it's right a now, funny thing. Scary moment. <laughs> so this is, uh, God, this is going to date me again, but I don't know. Well, actually you might be on the same page with me. Leanna, did, did you ever have like a big book of um, like CDs in your car or something of like course. that? Of okay. course. Okay. Right. Oh, yeah. What? I, Jared, I had cassette tapes. Okay, good. Just checking. So what would happen? For those any- of you that don't know what cassette tapes are, <laughs> there's these little <laughs> tapes Yeah. where you used to play music and you'd have to rewind it yep. to play it again. You had a cassette player. Yeah. Okay. So tell me this we're like, you know, you're 17 years old or whatever. And I get in your car and we're driving somewhere or whatever. And I grab your book of CDs off the ground and start looking through them. What do you say immediately? Um, I think there's a part of me that would panic a little bit. Right? Yes. And like yeah. everybody would always have some sort of like disclaimer that they would do. They would be like, oh, uh, you know, like some of that stuff's my sisters are like, oh, that's like a really old one. Like, I don't even know like what's in there. You know, you you feel the need to start apologizing for it. You know? Yeah. Oh, totally. No, I feel you. That was a great example. Right? Well, yeah. I- or, and like, and like, I, I think the updated example is like looking at your iTunes or your like, what are your Spotify. favorites on Spotify or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Jared, this is, Spotify is where it's at. Okay. Okay. But like my <laughs> iTunes like library was like the in between CDs and now. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Are you on yeah. Spotify though? 
I I have it. I just have the free account. I'm on Apple Music, which I shouldn't be, but I'm 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 on someone else's account for that. So I'm oh, just taking, okay. a, taking the free ride. Well, I'll end with a funny story of when I felt very vulnerable <laughs> since I was talking about my father in today's episode. So when I was married, I was beginning to toy with like taking some like sexy photos because we hadn't, we were very young. We were like it anyway, we just, we grew up a lot as we were married. And um, so I started kind of toying with that and I took a couple on my phone and there was one picture where it was like, it was very tasteful. Like I had my top off, but my, my arm was covering one nipple and my my phone was covering the others it was it was sexy but it was tasteful and um I had it in my phone I had sent it to my ex um but it was still in my library and this was because I was new I didn't know how to hide photos or to not just have photos like that just in your library so I had also done something in my house recently I I don't know if it was the floors had just been finished or something and I wanted to show my dad my pictures. <laughs> oh no. So I'm like, Hey dad, look at this. And he was like, Oh, okay. Let me see. And he took the phone out of my hand and just started swiping and just swipe. swipe did you, swipe. did you know he was going to get there or did you? No, I didn't oh, know no. because I didn't know, <laughs> like, I didn't know where it was. And sure enough, sure enough, he got to that photo and Like, I was so embarrassed. And he was like, he goes, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. I can't believe I'm telling you guys. He goes, are those your boobies? (laughs) Oh, I see. Was it a close-up and like your head wasn't in it? No, my head was in Uh, it. I feel vulnerable right now that you're dead. I know. I know. It's so embarrassing. I'm sorry, you guys, for sharing this story. (laughs) No, it's okay. It's great. (laughs) And anyway, I was just like... Um, and then he goes, I Did hope he start you're not like po- lecturing you or something? Yeah. He was like, I hope you're yeah. not posting that online. And I was like, no, I, I, I'm not. And I took it. And then, and then the way that my dad handles with aw- awkward stuff is by continuing to bring it up. <laughs> like it's, like it's no big deal. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. So I just, at one point I just had to be like, we need to not talk about this again. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Are those your boobies? Oh my that, gosh. By the way, um, we need to not talk about this again. Great, like authentic communication by you. Right? Thank, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was, <laughs> my face is, my face is so bright red right now. But no, anyway. Well, it's like anytime people see more of you than you were ready for or expecting, oh, yeah. like well, that's and, the feeling, right? Yeah. Well, and it's different when it's like your dad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on that note, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you, Jared, for all your input. Thank you. Um, yeah, of course. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at hello and goodbye podcast or at underscore Leanna Joan. Jared doesn't need you to follow him. I don't know. Do you want I mean, to I'm, I mean, I'm public, you know? Oh, okay. Well, if you want to follow Jared, he's at the real Jared Rodriguez with an S. Rodriguez sure. with an S. Yeah. Um, You'll be Twitter, very bored on my social media, but. 
Well, there is one post about hello and goodbye. That's true. Yeah. Which, by the way, I got like quarantine scolded because I posted an old video from before self-isolation with Yumi and Krista all hanging out in a room. Shut up. Everyone Who scolded like, you? No, no, I wasn't scolded. It was a really good cool oh. Like, um, are you just like still hanging out with people? <laughs> and I was like, no, oh, no, that so was funny. like a month ago. I know. Now when you post something with other people, you have to say taken before quarantine. <laughs> Um, yeah. And then we're also on Twitter at hello underscore by underscore pod. And please subscribe, rate and review on iTunes. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye, Switzerland. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>